some adjustments. Get ready to podcast. Get comfortable. Are we podcasting now? We're is this podcasting? Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. All right. Let's get serious now. Hey, Paul. Hey, Sherry. How you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? Uh, there seems to be more, more stuff in the room around us for this one. There are many items around yeah, us. We've, when, whenever we think we've upgraded or tried to do things as much as we do, then something else comes along and here we are even more. That's right. <laughs> we have changed things up again. Um, so what that means is that in addition to listening to us, some people who are listening right now can also, can see, also us. see us. Right. Very cool. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, as always, every time um, we've changed the gear and changed the technology and, and either brought something in new to try to do the best that we can, mm-hmm. I think, or I wonder as I do this time, how is this going to change? <laughs> How's this going to change it? Yeah. Right? Because it's like, because the, the original conversation was we had a couple of lavalier microphones and we were lounging, might even had my feet up, right, in your de- in your office in there on the desk, uh, just, you know, tossing the rag between a couple of couple of folk, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's like, microphones, we got a mixer, we got a couple of cameras, we got... <laughs> now it looks like we're doing something. Yeah, it's a little more engineered. Um, we have matching matching teacups, right? So that's We do. That's fun. Yeah. Um, the tea that we all always mention. It seems like uh, constantly trying to have a natural conversation in increasingly unnatural <laughs> environments. It's like everything is fine. We're just two people having a conversation here. You know, it's almost like it's we, fun. We keep thinking, oh, this is very comfortable. Let's make it less. Yeah, let's so. make it less so. Well, that's always been the thing. I mean, com- you know, we're, it's good to have a comfortable conversation, but at the same time, it's nice to have a little bit of an edge on it as well. Um, that if, if the conversation is too comfortable with its environment, it's like, then it almost feels like, I don't know if this is just my conditioning. It's like, uh, that makes the conversation lazy and it's not <laughs> going to be very good and it's not going to have a lot of any edge to it right? or anything like that. Just like um, whenever you and I start to have a conversation, like without recording it, it gets interesting. It's like, whoa, 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 save it for the podcast. <laughs> it might get interesting. Shut it down. Save it for later. Because it's never better than it is the first time. It's like you cannot recreate Right. The secret sauce of a good conversation by having it twice. It's not going to get better the next time. Yeah. But it's funny because I think originally we did this in part because we were trying to save these conversations. And we don't typically go back and re-listen to them. No, we intentionally don't. So so let's save this, but let's never listen to it. Um, But I think that's how saving things often works, right? Like, oh, you can't throw out those pictures. Do you ever look at them? No. No, but they're... Treasured keepsakes. Treasured yes, keepsakes. Treasured. Yeah. I have listened to a couple in the past just to see. It's like, has the audio improved? Because I say that it, it, it has, but I'm not sure that it has, but it has. It has. It definitely Totally has. has. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty good in the beginning. Anyway, I feel like we start every podcast talking about the fact that we, this is a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Lately we have, for sure. And it's like, mm-hmm. if, if I've referenced the first podcast one more time, right, I'm going to get tired of myself. Yeah. I can only imagine the listener experience. Indeed. Um, well then let's talk about something different. Yeah, this is, uh, 107. 107. We're coming up on 108, which I'm excited about because I think yeah. 108 is a really nice number. It but is. 107 is nice too. It's a, it's a nice number in many cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get to that next week. Next week. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Indeed. So what are we talking about today? Well, we have this book in front of us. We do. Um, and I've heard that we might talk a little bit about something, uh, out of that book, mm-hmm. uh, but not just to push this book or anything like that, but uh, some experiences that we've having that relate to what this book speaks to. And um, we have been doing, we might or might not talk about this today. We'll see how this goes. Um, some work we've been doing with um, some of our, f- I should, work we've been doing with some of our colleagues, like we're experimenting on them or something like that. <laughs> um, and some students and ourselves. Yep, uh, and one another. And one another with regards to this, yeah. uh, this as well. So yeah. I'm excited to have the chat. Yeah. So of course the book is nonviolent communication, which probably is no surprise to anyone who's been listening to us right. lately, right? Um, or hanging out with us lately, or especially me probably. Right. Um, so right. we've got nonviolent communication, um, a language for life, which is Marshall Rosenberg, one of Marshall Rosenberg's books. 
Um, and we recorded a little video for our student yeah. ambassadors earlier right. this week. Was that this week? No, I guess it was last week. It was the end of last week. It was the end of last week. Yeah, last Thursday. Yeah. Time is weird. Time goes poof. Um, and I think the heart of that presentation, that little recording we did for them, centered around this one quote from Rosenberg, mm-hmm. uh, which we love. Um, he opens this book by saying, what I want in life is compassion, a flow between myself and others based on a mutual giving from the heart. It's a good quote. It is a good quote. Um, not only makes the statement about what he wants in this world, but uh, what that sort of means means to him. Mm-hmm. Sort of means to him. Yeah. So he wants yeah. compassion, and then he tells you what compassion means to him. Right. Yeah, right. which I think is cool. It is cool. Do you want a little backstory on the fine Dr. Rosenberg? Or? Oh, I don't know if I'm prepared to do a, a deep dive with him, but I think... Um, the thing that I, the reason I come back to him a lot is because I see him as somebody who's trying to um, challenge the ways that humans hurt one another, mm. um, and especially mm. like I think hurt starts with with language and then it escalates, and we see a lot of that in the world today. Right? Yeah. Um, so if we can at least make our language nonviolent, uh, how else might that change mm. our community? So I'm really interested in nonviolent communication, and it's a framework that he. Right, right. So he's pretty central so to this whole nonviolent communication. Yeah, thing. the framework's sort of his. Um, but one of the reasons that I think I love it is because even though nonviolent communication is the way that it's talked about, what it really is, I think, is compassionate. It does seem to be that. I mean, in, in more and more um, meditation workshops that I've either been in or heard about or whatever, and not just ones that are focused on like compassion or self compassion or karuna or anything like that there's like a, a nonviolent communication day i mean the, the last one that i went on mm-hmm. the 10-day oh um over new year's um up at ims it was like the it, it's like it's a silent retreat except for uh any little time that you meet with one of the facilitators teachers to have a little sidebar conversation right and on this couple hour afternoon block where it's nonviolent communication day <laughs> where it's like yeah i know it's a silent retreat but not from one till three on thursday when we're going to do uh, a two-hour thing on nvc well it's almost like they've it's almost like a they're so they've gotten you away from communication and now that they see that you're about to go back to communication they want you to do it uh with some intentionality yeah um, that's that's true because yeah. it, it is like in a couple of days before the end of it, yeah. you know. So it's like it's like day eight, right? It's like it it seems to be timed. I hadn't thought about that, right? It, it seems to be timed right around when fear of reintegration yeah. or the specter of reintegration starts to come into the horizon, right? A like like you're all zen and lovely now, but who will you be <laughs> when one of these people cuts you off in the parking yeah, lot? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, in, in a couple of days, you're going to get in a car and you're going to drive on a highway for a while. And what's yeah. going to happen then? What's yeah. What's going to happen then? I mean, that happened to me when I, the last time I went on like a silent retreat, as I was leaving, there were some people doing like, like tree work, right? Like they were cutting down tree branches and yeah. they were literally like blocking the road to leave the silent retreat and one of them had their dog (laughs) attached to a truck and he was running out in the thing. And it was like, I just sat there and chuckled because I was like, this is a test, right? Like who like, cause you know, I know my conditioned habitual response would be like, what kind of person does and who were they? And instead was just, ah, I see they're doing a little work here. Right. I will slow down. I will articulate to them my needs of passing yeah. and yeah. not just ah! yeah yeah the, the yeah. first thing your first experience after the retreat is like stopping like screaming at the people on the side <laughs> of the road <laughs> yeah why can't you right yeah. right yeah i usually manage to 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 get a little uh to maintain the spirit of the retreat for several days um afterwards i can make it from central massachusetts back to northern virginia on i-95 keeping my been my wits about me. Even right. the next day, even it takes it, it's a couple of days before yeah. it's I feel old habits starting to knock pretty hard. But right. it is it is curious. It is yeah. curious because that is a real um if 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 it's your first silent retreat for, mm-hmm. for several days, it's like you you might not necessarily realize that that's something that's gonna be 
part of part of the retreat is leaving the retreat. Yeah. You know, that that's like as much as part of it is is, you know, in entering entering into leaving it with as much of a knee knocking white knuckle sort of terror as you do going going into it mm-hmm. almost. And so many of the multi day retreats, the ones that uh, that I've been on anyway. It's for those last few days that there really is a, so in a couple of days you're going to get in your car, right? And mm-hmm. really, really paying due attention to um, self-compassion as you re-enter. Yeah. And who compassion for others <laughs> as well, yeah. right? Um, not only showing up for yourself as you are from moment to moment as you leave your retreat, but showing up for other people who have not been on a retreat. Right. You thought you were gallivanting off at the, sp- at the day spa <laughs> for a week and a half, you know, just, you know checked out blissfully unaware and you know having grapes fed to you with mai tais and salt <laughs> scrubs all, i don't know what people do with spas <laughs> clearly it's like if that's your view of a spa, to a lot of spas yeah it's like i don't know uh lavender you know lavender oil and cucumber tea and all this i don't know it's not that in my experience water, right yeah. uh, it's not that in my experience but um because people a lot of people don't really know who, if they that have not been. So we would say a family member's loved ones don't really um, sort of grok the experience that you know that somebody has on a retreat. So uh, patience is in order, mm-hmm. and all the meta and loving kindness that fosters that patience. To, they're curious. Feel free to have a chat with them about it. Yeah, really realizing that they might not even understand why you went in the first place <laughs> or what you're hoping to get, right? you know, let alone what the experience actually was. Well, and I find sometimes even talking about it afterwards, it's like a curious experience. Like, um, so, you know, how was your retreat? Silent? Silent. You know, it's like, even the answer to that question, I think can be tricky. Um, but yeah, so I guess, you know, we, we got on this path just thinking about, you know, Rosenberg and this idea of compassion. Um, and as I'm leaving the tr- retreat, I'm trying to remember to give compassion um, to others, but right. I'm also trying to remember to give it to myself. And I think that's like something that I'm really hyper aware of right now is um, not just giving myself compassion, but articulating that I want compassion from others. Um, and this is something that since we've started teaching compassionate classrooms, I've been actually telling my students when I need compassion yeah, so from interesting. them. It is so interesting. Um, and I'm finding that so, it is, I mean, it's good and it is the work, um, but it's such a vulnerable place to stand in front of a classroom and to admit like on this particular day, in this particular hour, I need you all to have some compassion for me. Yeah. But I think if I don't do it, um, then the fact that I do need compassion still bubbles up, but it shows yeah. up in conflict ways. Right, right. Because you're the space holder. Yeah. They're 18, 19 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and you're asking for compassion from from them. Am I hearing this right? You yeah. know, so yeah. it's like... Uh, it's not done. It's not done, and and so that's the that's the question. It's like, can compassion be a request that you make? You know, can self can can asking for compassion be a request? Well, because NVC framework, right? The the last part of that before it loops back around is is requests. Yeah. You know, so can can compassion be a request? And I think it can, especially if you go back to Marshall's definition, and he says, you know, I want in my life compassion. And then he says, a flow between myself and others based on mutual giving from the heart. Right. So that, as we're talking about it now, it reads to me just as much as a hope for his life, a hope for what he brings to life, as it does a request, actually. Right. Right. Like, it seems like he is requesting others to meet him with compassion as well. Right, right, right. Tweaking the level there for a second. Okay, it, it really does. It really does. And so, you know, his his hope is compassion as as part of with with requests sort of baked in. Yeah. To what compassion really is, um, and and what his hope for what he wants in his life really is. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. So we did this though. I mean, we we thought what an interesting. We did this with the students as part of a setup for like a homework assignment. Which mm-hmm. um, after the conversation we had earlier with their supervisor, we might remind them of their homework. 
Yes. Right. <laughs> we all benefit from reminders. We all benefit from, from reminders. Um, uh, so we sort of went through the, the Grok deck a little bit and said, like, what, so what, what is our hope? Yes. You and know, and, and that's sort of the, what is the, what is the thing? And what it, what came down to, to me is like, what I came up with is sort of unexpected, but it really is the thing that like drives so much of my, uh, the way that I carry myself in this world. Your way of being? My way of being. Yeah. My... So... You mentioned the Grok deck, which mm-hmm. we talk about all the time because we've been using it and we love it, but it occurs to me that we right. may not have talked about this on the pod. I don't think we have. So yeah, shall I don't, we talk I don't think about we that? have. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, no, I really don't think we have talked about it on the, on the pod mm-hmm. before. So um, the, uh, what I'm warning now is like, should I be the one actually talking? So it's like, hey, Sherry, what is the Grok deck? This is about to be an interview. Uh, we both use them all the time. Yep. Right? Um, we, we, I don't know, your, your, ment- your mentor mm-hmm. you worked with recommended these to you. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we just refer to them as the Grok deck. And you can get them on Amazon. Right? Yeah. But I think you can buy them from the source Right. As Rock well. Your World Rock is Your World. Source. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's uh, th- there's the mini version in the, and the, the big the rock. big the big rock right which is good for uh like team building meetings where you got a bunch of people around a table kind of thing mm-hmm. uh we usually just use the smaller one mm-hmm. like just like playing card size yep. but the stacks are a little bit thicker um and one is a stack of feelings and the other one is a stack of of needs mm-hmm. super simple super simple and they have different colors on the back of them to keep them apart mm-hmm. uh and it's a way to get through sort of the the muddy parts of the NVC framework, mm-hmm. and the way that we used because we we used to do this, you know, what are the feelings alive in us right now? What are the needs that are aliving us with ourselves and with each other and with students and with faculty and all this kind of stuff? But uh, we would just like use the there's there's a piece of there's a paper version right mm-hmm. where it's just like list of feeling list of needs from the NVC Academy right, right. and it's like if, if you flip it over these are the ones when everything is going well and you flip the page over and these are the things when things are not going well um, and they're pretty comprehensive mm-hmm. they're pretty comprehensive chances are you can probably find the feeling and the need that is there or not there yep. on that and so this is like um, a less intimidating slightly more interactive you can have more fun tactile. with the tactile deck yeah. of cards where each card is is one of these mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you can go through the decks, like, what am I feeling right now? And it's like, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no. Yeah. And they're really interesting because the decks themselves came with, like, activities that you can do with them. Right, um, right. But what's hilarious to me is that just you and I being who we are, um, neither of us have read the the instructions. <laughs> yeah, right. I flipped That's through hilarious. It. I flipped through uh, enough for, like, I think there was one activity that we do that that's sort of based on that there are several activities in the in the in the i don't want to say instructions in the right? little manual, in the manual yeah. yeah yeah um and so i look forward to exploring those like and seeing how other people have used them but we've been kind of just using them somewhat intuitively based on yeah our feelings and needs I yeah guess. sort of as the as the situation arises what's the best use yeah is, is is sort of what we've been doing yeah and so it's been pretty cool um I like them. I mean, one of the reasons that Mary recommended them to me is because I really enjoy receiving empathy. Mm. But if you say that to most people, like, I like enjoying, you know, receiving empathy. Um, Like, how does one give another person empathy? Like, it's not like a book that I can hand you. Hey, Sherry, what would you like for your birthday this year? Empathy. Empathy. It's like, okay, so Um, is that a box situation or... Yeah. Mail order. And so, you know, I've had these conversations, like, even with Eric, right? Like, who Eric loves me hard and, like, probably, I mean, you know, he's my biggest cheerleader. Yeah, through and through. Right? And so I will tell Eric, what I need right now is empathy. And he'll say, you have it. Yeah. And I'll, I'm like, <laughs> wait, I do? Where? Right? And that's not, like, but we're not, you know, right, I feel right, like the right. generation, the moment I grew up in, nobody taught people how to offer empathy. Like, and I think you really have to be trained. Yeah, it's like I, re- I remember a time in my life not too long ago where it's like I'm gonna look it up and see what it is because it's like ooh, this? 
that was not a topic of discussion in the Midwest or on the dinner table in the in the seventies or eighties. I no. promise you that. It's like and I empathy. Think it seems what are like you talking about? It seems like it's even really foreign to our like our students today. Like, yeah. Even though I think they're growing up in a time when there's so much more space to be in tune with one's mental health. Yeah. It it's still not like. I, it almost feels like people don't think they deserve empathy. They do, they shouldn't want it. They just yeah. It's it's yeah. weird. Old, right? old stodgy Paul comes out every once in a while with this because you know with when talking to some of the students today, it's like if if the <laughs> with with their the request they have for empathy and mental health resources that they're you know really feeling like should be a bigger part of their life than they are. Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree. I don't disagree with them at all. But it's like, if you knew how little was available in 1978, 1985, yeah. 1989, when I was in high school, it's like, if you felt something that was not comfortable and if you didn't fit in with, uh, with, if you didn't, if you didn't feel like you were fitting in with what, with your peers, um, if you were feeling something that was kind of challenging or something was upsetting to you, let's let's go have a conversation about what is wrong with you because clearly something is wrong with you. So let's fix it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, you're doing it wrong. That's why you feel what you, you know. Right. Um, oh, God, right? And those were conversations that you, you hoped and prayed nobody ever found out about because you have to go to the counselor's office to talk about that and they're going to close the door and they're going to, right. you know, have a nice hush, hush. Yeah. And, uh, I think, you know, growing up, my biggest, like, priority. Shameful to feel things that were uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. My biggest priority was to stay under the radar, right? And so, like, I needed to succeed enough to where I wouldn't end up in the guidance counselor, right? I needed to succeed enough to where... Um, I wouldn't receive a certain diagnosis regarding my, my reading and writing ability, like to like find the coping strategies to look like I could spell, even though I wasn't processing, you know, language units, like, like my, like all I did is learn to cope, to avoid intervention, right? Right. Like, because I needed intervention, but you know, like I just wanted to. I just wanted to not be noticed. Right. Um, right, right. Because to me, being noticed meant there was something wrong, right? Right. Like, yeah. Right. So it is interesting, but it's so, it, yeah, I don't know. It's a different world. Um, and I'm glad people can get support and that that's regularized instead of being, you know, because hiding uh, my own challenges never, like, it didn't benefit me, really. Right. Right, 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 right. I don't even think that I had a framework to start with, you know? It was like there wasn't even footing available to start. It's like, did I try not to fit? Do I try to not be noticed? Did I try to? It's like, I don't even know. It's like, I don't even, I mean, it's hard to even go back and try to get back in my own head about, like, what was I thinking at the time? And it's like, I didn't want to go to the guidance counselor because if I go there, then there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. But so I'm going to try to gut this out and, you know, just kind of deal with all of deal with all of this sort of as it is. Mm-hmm. And so wish me luck on that. And I hopefully, hopefully this will, will work out for the, for the best. I'm going to sort of gut my way through as best I, as best I can. And, um, so do I try to fit in or do I not try to fit in or do I, and it, it's like to sort of muscle my way through. And then if I go to the guidance counselor, they're going to say, okay, so this is my experience with the guidance counselors in the past. It's like, you can go to the guidance counselor and they're going to say, okay, so um, you're feeling this and this and this. And that's because, um, have you tried this? Have you tried talking to them? It's like, well, maybe you should wear different clothes. It's like maybe you should, you know, try to fit in a little bit. And you didn't score that high on this whatever test. So maybe, you know, college isn't for everyone. So maybe you should, you know, join the military or try to – or something. Yeah. And it's like, is this the conversation that we want to have? It's it's like, you know, all your worst fears about you are actually true. And so let's let's make sure that we come up with a career path that's right for you that, that fits that. Right. Or you're just an underachiever or you're a late bloomer or you're – you know, fill in the blank. 
yeah. with with any any of that. So it's like yeah. it was just not a good experience that I, I, I had in 1985 in a high, private high school in the Midwestern United States. Right. You know, um, you should do your best to fit in. So let's help. You know, what's interesting is I don't remember ever going to a guidance counselor. Um, but I do remember, I think it was my, I want to say it was either my junior or my senior year of high school. I got brought in to like a room to do all this like really abstract testing. Yeah. And no one ever told me who ordered the testing, what the testing was for. And the only thing that came from it was basically like they reported out that my, my ability to process like shapes and patterns was like off the charts. Oh yeah. And I was like, cool. Like I, I didn't understand like, like good to know, like I'm good at puzzles. Right. Um, but if that test was meant to help guide or support me in some way, I don't know what it accomplished. Yeah. Interesting. One day I'll go find out what that test was about. Yeah. Cause I took that one. I've talked to, I think I have talked about this on the podcast before. I think the, what is the best career for you? And it was like geologist or bus driver. Yeah. And you've done both. It was, I've done both. It's like, well, maybe those do work pretty well. (laughs) Maybe they do work well, you know, uh, that's, that's even scarier than taking the test when you're 16 is to take the test in 16 you have this big long life and it's like, holy shit, I actually did the, <laughs> I ended up, you know, getting a degree in geology and driving students around on a, in a van right. to do the geology. It's like, I'll combine them into one because yeah. I'm lazy. That's what I did. You know, I'm, I'm so much of an underachiever. It's like, lazy I can do, I can do, <laughs> I can do both at once. You know, I can do both at once and combine them. Efficiency is right. the value so there. That's funny. That's funny. Um, but yeah, so, um, sort of thinking about this idea of empathy um, to circle us back there, I guess, for a second. Like, um, do you think you've figured out what it looks like to offer empathy? Yes. Or to receive empathy? Yeah. Yeah. How'd you learn? Uh, Well, you see, Sherry, we have these grot cards. Yeah, we have these grot cards. Well, um, but I mean, that's an interesting point. You know, that's, that's a little of an aside point that is interesting. Um, but I, I think through the mindfulness training that I that I did and the it, it any growth I made in it came with clear instruction though from from someone else yeah you know I, I didn't figure it out on my own mm-hmm. um, it was like I don't know if empathy coach is a is a way to put it but um, my own mentor Clea mm-hmm. and the training that we did in the mindfulness meditation program teacher training program and um, some of the other experiences I've had with her and with with others. Um, just this, that any, any growth or development that I've had in learning how to give empathy has come from active listening, Mm -hmm. learning how to actively listen. And it's not like for content or anything like that. It's like, you know, it's not, it's not listening, give feedback, but that can be part of it. I Mm -hmm. think it's like listening and see what happens inside while you, while you hear what this person is saying. And then it's like, would you like to, ex, you know? And, and then what what happens to the to the newer person in this is like, would you like to speak to what was happening inside of you? It's like, well, what I heard was that you talked too fast, and it's like, it's not. <laughs> and you yeah. like you immediately start talking about the other person, and it's like, no, no, wait. It's like what is happening inside of you, the yeah. listener, as something is happening. So, it's it's um, making the active actively training on how to not bypass mm. what's happening inside before you respond to what's happening in front of you. So it's like you don't it's not going straight from you know listening or perceiving to responding. It's listen and perceive take a hot second and see what that does inside the the meat suit mm-hmm. a little bit and then make a decision on what that response is going to be. If 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 one is required or asked for or called for or invited. Right. Or invited. You know, so it's a hangout in that in that space of after you've after you've listened and heard and before you you, you respond, hang out there for a bit and see what that's like. So there's like that pause. Yeah, again. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that sacred pause right. that uh, is talked about so often. Mm-hmm. Sacred pause. Yeah. Well, and I think I like that you're focusing on the importance of 
of listening and empathy because I think for me, in order for me to receive empathy, um, one of the hallmarks or one of the ways that I know I don't feel like I have received empathy is if I don't feel like whoever I'm talking to has actually heard me. Yeah. Right. Um, so like there has to be like the space for the feelings and the needs of both people at the same time. And that's hard. It is hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I mean, yeah. f- for me, you know, it's like when you don't make space for the words of both people at the same time, it's like we're talking about like, like yelling at each other kind of thing, you know? Um, but it's like one person talks at a time. Yep. Y- you you um, relinquish the right to interrupt. Yep. Well, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> It's complicated. It yeah. Is. yeah, it can be. It, it can be, that's for sure. But it's like, you're going to try not to interrupt. Interruption has to be intentional. Okay. Yeah, so it has to be intentional and with the purpose of reestablishing connection. So if I've lost connection to you because all I'm thinking about is having to pee. Right. Right? Or right. if you've lost connection with me because all you're thinking about is whether or not the camera's recording. Like, whatever it is, Right. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Um, Then I think there is, it's not interrupting to challenge, to fix, to correct. It's only if you are interrupting to deepen connection or reestablish a lost connection, then I think it's worth doing. Okay. But if it's just interrupting because you're impatient and you're not really listening, that's not the same. Yeah, yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking about physiological needs. It's like or even just if you're distracted, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's not just physiological. It's, I think that they're like, I want to listen to you and right now I can't because, because right. You know? Um, but I do think interruption is an art. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I do agree so. with that. I do agree with that. Um, What's interesting. It's like if, however, if, if there is a bio break, mm-hmm. so to speak in five minutes, you know, to, you know, okay, now it's like the interrupt is like, okay, pause this, pause what, a, what, what we're saying right here. I'm going to go use the restroom. I'll be back in five minutes. It's like the odds of a lot of challenge and like the complexity and the difficulty of what is being felt just like evaporating in a puff during that fight, you come back and it's like, so what were we arguing about again? Yeah. Right. It's like it, the, the heart, it, it kind of shows it's like, what a lot of the hard part about these difficult conversations might be is not trying to get your way. Right. It just, it doesn't feel great. And it just takes a little bit of time for something to move through. Yeah. And sometimes you find out it's five minutes and it's like, okay, let's take a five minute break and then we'll come back to this vicious argument we're having. And it's like, you forget that you were even having an argument and you just end up eating dinner instead. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, all right. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's so curious. It's so curious what that what that pause does. Well, I haven't thought about that as interrupting though. So that's a... Right. Well, and I think sometimes, yeah. So sometimes the interruption can actually help. And we yeah, do this, right? right? Like, so we'll interrupt each other with like, well, what, wait, wait, do we really want to... Do we really want to go down this path? Are we really going to have this fight? What's even happening? Not that we fight, fight. Right, we don't fight, fight. But whenever we find ourselves in a moment of tension together, like we, I think we always, we, Paul always checks (laughs) What I always do, right? What I always do. Let me interrupt you right there. All right, so. (laughs) Paul enjoys checking to see whether the escape hatch will work that day. Because sometimes it really is just like, we need to interrupt this program to be like, right. do we just need a snack? <laughs> right, right. Then? And it's like I, I I do this the same way that um, I, I, have a, I have a lot of escape hatches that I do check the the, 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 the handles on quite often. But, you know, I, I sometimes have these conversations in the same way that I, I read a book. I get about halfway through and it's like, all right, I see where this is going, right? It's like, hmm. But, yeah. but that that's not always a, a kind thing to do, though. It's, it's rarely a kind thing to do. It's like other people deserve – to have the full and uninterrupted opportunity to state what it is they're feeling. Right. Right. But that's why I say like you check the escape hatch, not like you don't jump out it. No, I don't right? jump out it. You just say like, is this a door we want to use today? Right. And knowing full well, like 
I can choose not to use that door, right? Like I've done that recently. Like, no, we're not going to use that door. We have to sit here with this. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting, but I think sometimes it's worthwhile to just check in. Like, well, do we really want to have this fight? Is there, is there a conversation? Is there a conversation here? here? Right. Um, what else is going on here? Like things like that. And so a lot of times I think interruption can help rebuild. Right. But sometimes um, it's not necessarily the tool, the best tool for empathy. I yeah. Think was yeah. Your yeah. Point originally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, when, when that interruption manifests as what you're, what you're saying about how you feel is wrong. So I'm going to tell you how you feel. Instead. It's like, no, that's not quite what we want no. to do. And that's, or, or the real strong urge to counter argue yeah. in the middle of a statement being made. Those aren't the, those are times where it's probably best just like, you know, if, and the way that I think this is also is how I raised is like, that's your opportunity to just kind of sit there and take it. And it's like, just listen, just listen, you know, and best case, the person that is, is speaking is not telling you all the things that are wrong with you kind of thing. They actually are really speaking to their own experience. Right. But there is a very, and I feel this strong, and I think most people do on this earth, uh, at least I hope they do, so I'm not alone in this. The urge to take somebody else's discomfort very personally is strong, is really strong. Totally. And um, in my, I don't feel like I'm telling any secrets out of school here, um, because I think this is probably also many people's experience. Um, if, if somebody is telling you, is, is discomforted or uncomfortable, and they're telling you about it in a way that doesn't seem like they're particularly happy at the time. That is because it is your fault because you did something. Because <laughs> you did something hypothetically, whatever wrong means, uh, and you shan't do it again or risk even further, uh, further uh, yelling, right. yelling at it. And it's like none of that is true. Right. None of that is true. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard, you know, because true compassion doesn't require an action. Right. All that, all every time or any time. True compassion is compassion on its own self, with that, which asks for nothing in return. Right. Just the, the mutual flow yeah. of connection. Yeah. Well, and I think this is one reason. So when I do work with uh, Mary, my mentor, like she will offer me empathy. And I think it is so much easier to offer empathy to someone who you're not in the situation with. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, right. I hear your cousin said that to you, and I hear that that made you feel this way, um, and you must really be longing for it. Like, that's easy when you're in a situation with someone you love, and they are saying, in this situation, as these things are happening that we're both engaged in, I'm feeling something negative. It is super hard to respond with, I hear that you're feeling frustrated. Yeah. Right? Because it becomes, I hear that you don't like it when I. Right. Instead right. of, right, right, right. I can be with the fact that you're experiencing frustration. Um, I think that's hard work to do, but that, like, that's master's level empathy right there yeah yeah and i've only been i've only been practicing mindfulness meditation for 25 years so i'm new yeah. but that's challenging for me yeah you know especially given what i what you found what from i the found from the grok deck right yeah. as my thing that what a masterful transition what i found from the the grok deck as to what is what is it that i feel like what what's the how's the phrase start um, what i what i want in life what i is. want in life is it's like when i answer that for myself, it's like that explains every single time I've ever been in an argument in my entire yeah. life. Uh, that 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 sums her up. Yeah, that sums her up. So, how do you f complete the sentence? What Paul wants in his life is peace and harmony. Peace and harmony. Peace and harmony. Yeah. So yeah. Through. Um, and but those are those are very human needs, right? Yeah. They're they're in. Yeah, the I mean, who deck. wouldn't? What? Yeah. Who I've never, I've, I've never wanted peace and harmony a day in my. Who says that? Nobody. You know, and it's like right? if, you, if you say that, you're a liar. Right. Everybody wants peace and harmony. Yeah, but so one of the things we started doing with the needs was we would give people six needs cards, right, and we would ask them to rank them from most important to least important for them personally. And the more we did that activity, the more we realized all humans have similar needs, but not all humans experience those needs right. the same. And so there's so much in our, our lives and our conditioning 
and what we were and were not able to receive as as young people all of this sort of marinates together and then what it's looking like that we're seeing is that people sort of emerge with this like sort of hallmark need that they're they're always walking around ultimately trying yeah, right. to meet right that's right. what we're seeing yeah. yeah and so for you it's peace and harmony peace and harmony yeah and the the life you know the life lived over the span of 50 years has been about how have i based on my history my genes my experiences my whiteness my maleness my mm-hmm. privilegedness my fell off my bike when I was eight ness right all, all of it Aww, I, I know I have a scar like right Aww, there right there yeah. the funny thing is I, I I took like two like pretty serious tumbles off of a, my bike um, and because this is back in the old days neither time was I wearing a helmet which explains a lot as well um and it's like I land it turns out when I really go down hard on a bike I land the exact same way because like I one scar is here and the other one is like right there so it's yeah. like I always fall on my right shoulder which explains that uh, um but it's like every every experience I've ever had in my life combined with every aspect of my biology have resulted in the tactics and strategies that I use to get my needs met from one moment to the next. Mm-hmm. As is true for everyone. Right. And everyone has a different collection of those experiences and those biologies. Yeah. So, of course, there is disagreement in this world. That doesn't mean you need to fire weapons and drop bombs and right. throw punches. Yeah. Right? But without act, an actual framework on how to do this kind of stuff, you end up dropping bombs and throwing punches and firing weapons, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, those needs, which sound lovely, right? Peace and harmony, right? Um, those needs taken to as an extreme level, like if someone so wants peace and ease, that they won't allow themselves to see other suffering, be with suffering. Like, I'm not saying you do these things, right, but right. any good need could, I think, get get used. Yeah, evil, yeah, yeah. Right? And, and it's yeah, like yeah. I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I need peace and harmony in my life more than anything else. So I'm gonna completely disengage from society in every way. Yeah, you know, go live in a cave somewhere in God knows where. Right. Right. And so there, these needs do sort of compete with each other a little bit. I, I need peace and harmony, but at the same time, I also like people a lot. You know, and you it's like I like to. to I need people to be with. peaceful with, and yeah. I. I the observed harmony. It's not just harmony in nature because people are part of nature, and so it's like the nature there where I want to see p- peace and harmony includes people in it. Yeah. But these people have different needs, and they're all tra- so it it gets muddy. Yeah. It'd be really great if there was like a deck of cards and a framework that we could <laughs> use, right? And opportunity. And I I talk about this all the time. The most valuable thing I think that you and I can offer people is opportunities to practice, mm-hmm. because it's not easy. It's not like, here, just read this book and get these cards and all your problems are going to be solved. Right. It's like it, there is value in having opportunities to practice this stuff. It really is like riding a bike. Right. Um, left to your own device, you know, like never never having even known what a bike was and then getting on it and being expected to ride fast and long, right? it's not going to go well. You know, yeah. opportunities to practice nonviolent communication to whatever needs that people might have presently, yes. I think is one of the most valuable things that uh, that we offer them. Right. And just because you practice doesn't mean you won't fall off onto your right shoulder. Right. But, I mean, this, this, the, there, and so it's like we can't make it easy for people, mm-hmm. but we can make it an environment where they can. So it's like, and one of the things that you and I do, it's like, we're going to get these pesky physiological needs out of the way. So uh, pee first, and then we'll feed you lunch, and then we'll get started. Right. So you you won't have to pee, and you won't be hungry. Yep. And we kind of do the same thing even when we, like, record, right? Like, it's like, we're going to eat lunch. There's going to be a bio break. We'll make some more fresh tea, and then we'll get going. Um, could you imagine if we did not eat and have beverages before we recorded? No, I can, because we've done it. And it's like, it's... <sighs> Here it goes, Paul. Sherry, let me tell you all the things that are wrong with you, right? And I'm going to think of all the things that are wrong with me, and it doesn't go well. No. You can't think of things that are wrong with me. I know. It's a short list. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) 
But he's not so anyway. Peace and harmony, right? Peace and harmony. So let's uh-huh. get back. So what did you uh, what did you grok card yourself to with that? So it was not peace and harmony. It was something else. It was yeah. So the cards that I came down to, I'm still feeling a little itchy about, um, which is interesting. Mm. Itchy, like you're resistant to... So this is kind of a thing that I do, and it's typical of me in a lot of ways. But I'm like, peace and harmony, those are good core needs to have. (laughs) It's like that Coke commercial, right? Yeah. Like to teach the world. Yeah, it is. Uh, Don Draper. Uh, Anyway. But then when I think about mine, I'm like, oh, those are... Those are pathetic. They're so exhausting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that points to They reek of sherry, right? Yeah. But, and it even, they even self-reflect, I think, a little bit. So the way I'm thinking about them. So mine come down to, uh, to matter. Right. And right. purpose. Right. Um, so I really, I'm very purpose-driven, right? Yeah. Um, which is funny because in high school I read this book, The Purpose Driven Life, yeah. and found it very disappointing. Yeah, a lot of us did, and a lot of us found it very t- – anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, Not to be so, smirch, books that people have found to be very useful in their lives. But for the it two didn't of do us, it for that me. was not Yeah, one. it was not yeah. one of them. So I'm very purpose driven, um, and I really – I want my time on this earth to matter. Totally. Um, and I, I get very impatient when it feels like things don't matter – um, I get really impatient with activities that don't seem to have a purpose. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that I struggle ultimately with relaxation and things like that, because like, I, I want everything to be generative. Mm. Uh, and then when it's not, I get restless. So, um, I think, yeah, so the I mean I, I I don't exactly know how those came to be my driving needs. Mm. Um, I do know that I look at mine and I'm like, oh, you know, Marshall wants compassion and Paul wants <laughs> peace and harmony, and I just want to be special. Yeah, like it just right. seems so like obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems obnoxious, but it also is it is yeah. authentically like, yeah yeah me. yeah. Yeah. It's curious. I don't feel like I have a lot of say in what mine are. I don't. It's like it's like it's not like I made a decision that it's peace and harmony. Yeah. I'm sorry. I feel like more than anything, I'm stuck with it. It's as much of a a, a downside as an upside. It's just sort of it is what it is. Right. As much as my bald spot and the color of my hair and my preferred tennis shoe. All right. I don't right. know. It is. It is sort of is what it is. It what it, food I like. Food I don't. It yeah. just sort of is what it is. Yeah. I think that's true. And one thing that's interesting to me is that the way that ours have emerged map really perfectly to the Enneagram concept. Um, because Enneagrams, so I tend to think of myself as either being an Enneagram three or an Enneagram four. Mm. Um, and so a lot of times the way I think about this is me being an Enneagram with a wing four. Right. Now, for some people, this means nothing, right? But what that basically means, including Paul, yeah. <laughs> um, what this basically means is if I'm thinking about placing myself at those two numbers, it basically means performance and achievement are very important to me. You, my friend, um, are, are very much an Enneagram 9, in my opinion. Yeah. Though you're not supposed to tell other people what they are. But uh, let's um, hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So Enneagram nines are the peacemakers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so the people who tend to be nines, um, they, they're very flexible. They're very amenable. But ultimately what drives them is a desire for peace and harmony. And, uh, and peace and harmony. And I will get it because I'm also an Aries. And uh, we have... The sun just came up on airy season. So in Enneagram so. language, we would say <laughs> you are a nine with an eight wing. Yeah. So the eights are a little bit bossy. Yeah. Right? right. And so I think that's that's your eight. I'm not bossy. I'm just going to get my way. Eight. If we just did it my way, nothing would be up here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's um, kind of interesting. But, you know, these, these personality types, that's what the Enneagram is. It's like nine different numbers. Yeah. And it it's all sort of driven by what our people 
uh, long, most desiring and yeah. longing for right. in their life. Yeah, but a, a struggle for me during the course of my life has been, you know, accepting not having control over this situation. Mm-hmm. So I've made more progress with that, I think, than I have with most stuff. It's like, I'm okay not being in control of a situation. It's like, but I'm really not, you know? <laughs> and it's like any, uh, and it's like I, I more often don't, I prefer not to serve on committees. You know, because it's like I will either do what I can to rise to the chair of that committee, or I, I'll hate it so much that I was like, you know what, it's not for me. And it's like, it's like, oh, I'm the I, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's hard to be in the middle. Yeah. For me, it's like, it's like I. It sounds like a good committee, but if I can't run it, it's like, you know what, this might be for somebody else. Because it's like, and it, it's not that I. I am some sort of, you know, special unicorn that has to be in charge of everything. It's not really that. And it's like, I take my, my Aries with a lighthearted grain of salt. It's like, but it, it's in there, you know, yeah. I, I can feel it in there every single waking day of my right. life. It's like, well, you don't do lukewarm. I don't do lukewarm. Neither do you. No. Right. Neither do you. Um, and so it's like, when you read this, like I'm an Aries through and through, through and through. And, but it's like, but you seem so nice, and you seem so cheery, and you seem, it's like I am. But there's also this other thing. So it's like, y- you can come into this existence of accepting dissonance over the different parts of ourselves. Right. So it's like you think it's it's con- it's difficult to have a conversation in a nonviolent way with somebody else. It's like it's difficult to have a conversation in the nonviolent way with yourself because right. there are all these parts of us that are jockeying. So it's not just like I have need. It's like the different parts of me that don't always necessarily agree with each other and not really always as kind to each other, disagree with each other on how to get these needs met. Right. You know? And and so it's like compassion for self is as hard as compassion for others, but it's all work that can be practiced. Right. Well, and I think you can tell at times where you can see the fire in you fighting against the desire for peace. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. Um, and... And, like, if you see peace disrupted, like, I feel like you bring fire to the reestablishment of I can. Peace. I can. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, for, I sure can. Which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know what to do about that. But it's like, I don't know if there is something to do about that. I think it... It's just what it is. It's just what it is. Yeah. It, it sort of is what it is. And it and there are some situations when it works really well. And there's some situations where it's like, eh, in hindsight, it could have been better if I would have done it this yeah. other way. But I'm not going to beat myself up for that. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, eh, I did what I did because of what I, what I do. And yeah. I'll try to, next time I'm in a situation like this, may it go well. Right. Well, I don't know. You know, it's like, I, I'm... I am. It's like always. It, it's just really weird, delicate balances. Like always trying to. I'm all for self improvement. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, and learning from. I don't know. When I don't want to say mistakes. Learning from experience that didn't go as well as I had hoped they could. Maybe. Or maybe um, just or experience. Maybe, or experience. Period. Um, but eternally and always forgiving myself for everything that I've ever done in my entire life. It's like I'm not going to beat myself up for that. You know, maybe it didn't. Maybe it didn't do it well. Who cares? Maybe I could have done it better. Yeah. Well, I'm here now. So, right. You know, let's 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 move on. Yeah. But I mean, that being said, if if something has to happen with someone else in order to circle back to that thing that happened that wasn't so great, I'm happy to do it. Right. You know, but I'm not going to beat myself for it. Is he happy? It. You know, <laughs> I, I will, let me say, I'll I'll do it. It's you not know, fun. <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, I'll do it. Graciously, yeah. as I can, as graciously as I can, right? And we'll be accepting of invitations to do so, yeah. Um, and moving on, mm-hmm. right? Moving on, yeah. So, it's interesting thinking about this idea. Like, since we identified these, um, we, you know, we ended up pulling out the cards for us, like peace and harmony for yeah. you, and um, to matter, to matter, yeah. and purpose for me. Um, I've really been trying to pay attention to, like, if that's if this is the person I am, like if I know that in a particular moment it's going to matter to me whether I feel like I matter. Yeah, right. right? Like how do I how do I bring that knowledge of um, sort of the conditioning I'm bringing into an experience? And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm showing up in my classroom saying I need compassion right, right. now. Right. Because um, I've spent a long time teaching in a way that 
checked my own humanity at the door and didn't allow myself to matter in my classroom. Right. And I found, uh, I found that horrible. Mm. I hated it. Right. Um, and so it's not comfortable for me right now to go into a classroom like today, even I did, I, you know, I just said, you know, I had a hell of a week last week and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm coming in fragile. I'm coming in feeling sensitive and I can see this going one of two ways. If I see too much of what makes me feel like the work I'm doing up here doesn't matter. I can tell you right now, I'm going to end up in full on lecture mode, like telling you about what you're not doing. So what I need for you from you is I need you to, understand the human in front of you is right. fragile. And this isn't like me trying to be a performative, like, oh, woe is me. It's just, I think they deserve to know uh, if the person in front of them is is a little volatile. Yeah, for sure. Um, Ooh, wouldn't that always be nice to... Right? Um, Everybody came with a little volatility meter that showed where they were right yeah. on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, because, and I've, I've experienced this with other teachers too, like, other folks have told me, like, it doesn't matter what I do in the classroom. They just do whatever they want, and it's like they don't even see me. Mm. And no one likes to feel unseen. Nobody likes to feel um, yeah. And knowing full well that it's important to me to feel like I matter um, helps me walk into a room differently. Um, so we can all get our needs met. Right. Right? Like if, right. And to be clear, I don't try to get most of my needs met in the classroom. Right. But if I have one that's alive and I know it's there when I walk in, I might as well own it. Yeah, but I mean to 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 matter and have purpose is one thing and you're you are a community college English teacher. And so a lot of the ways that's gonna manifest is what happens in the classroom because you're there a lot. Yeah. You know, and you spend a lot of time and energy honing those skills to do that effectively. Right. Yeah. So it's gonna show up and and it's like uh, a week or two ago, it's like there was a minor disagreement in my lab, and it's like, you know, what do you need? What do we need now? What do we? What's going on here? What do we need to do? Yeah, you know? right. And it was like, uh, we don't, we don't want to get all of our needs met in the classroom, but we do get some of them. I don't want to say met, but spoken to, right? In what we do in the classroom, and I've been there before. I've had experiences where, even though to matter and have purpose isn't at the, at the at the top on my list, it's not at the bottom. Right, right. You know, um, it's pretty, just based on the work that we do, it's like, it, it's clearly, it's pretty high up on my list as well. Right. Top 10, I would yeah. say. Um, but I've I've been in that classroom experience before and it's like, it's not going well and none of my needs were being met and um, including to matter mm-hmm. and purpose. And it's like, I did flip it in the lecture mode and it's like, it's so stupid though. It's like, um, they don't need me. They just need some warm body up here. I might as well just put some YouTube videos of, photosynthesis up here and there's a little watch watch that it's like go to Conicat you know and it's like it's stupid right I I I hate being in that place and I'm thankful that it's not often yeah you know but but what what interestingly is what what got me into that space was reacting either in a real way or in a perceived way to what was happening in my class with my students who were trying to get their needs met Mm -hmm. right with whatever is most important to them which uh, I'm essentially in the dark about because I never asked and because, you know, yeah. the framework isn't in place. So it's like, oof, what is one to do? What is one to do? And I think when you start thinking, I mean, you can't walk around all day, I think. Or maybe you can. I don't know. I can't. Um, always in a state of constant, like, evaluation of, okay, what are my needs right now? And what are their needs right now? And, you know, this constant thing going. It's like, I'm going to go through my day as I, as I do you know, for, for hopefully responding more than reacting to what's going on around me. And I figured I can check, and this is like, I can check a lot of boxes of, you know, doing as little harm as possible. It's like, just be nice to people, be compassionate, treat people with respect. And that takes care of most of the landmines. Right. Especially if you recognize that you also are one of those people. Correct. Correct. Yes, that's yeah, an important yeah. part. Yeah, I have landmines too. Yeah. Um, and so it's like I, I can't constantly be going around assessing everyone, nor do I want to be. But it's like there's a couple of behaviors that I can engage in that I can practice as a baseline state. And right. the world becomes less dangerous. Yeah. 
Well, and I, but I do think like if you're engaged with someone and you are totally not in tune with what their needs or feelings are, like, are you going to have the best experience? Right. You know, it's, and, and part of this though, and the reason I, I don't know, like that, I think about how often we don't think it's our responsibility to care about other people's needs. Like that's so conditioned, like, um, you know, you go through the drive through and sure, it's not your job to know what your cashier needs. Right. Like who could, who could pay attention to that? But if you know what some of the basic human needs are and you know, which ones you are in a position to offer, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in that position, you can offer your cashier every time. Um, kindness, you know, um, eye contact, right? Uh, gratitude. Like, um, I don't think we always have to drill down and get into everybody's root needs. Right. But I think, I think we make a huge mistake if we don't think that every single person who walks by us, who we interact with is a human who has needs. Right. Like it's so easy to forget that. And I think that's why, I've been really, really deeply concerned about how little compassion and empathy and kindness there is in the world. um, It feels like so often the people I interact with think that kindness has to be earned. And I think that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like no one has to deserve kindness. Period. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a, a Gary Vaynerchuk a short podcast this morning on the way in, which is why I brought him up like three times today and, and earned kind of, and he's like, one of his observations is the way that people treat people today is worse. It's like politicians talking to each other, responding to people out there is worse than the way that the bullies interacted with the people they were bullying yeah. when he was in high school. Yeah. It's like, it is so bad right right now. Yeah. You know, it's like, nobody's asking for anything complicated anymore. It's just like, God can't, just like civ- basic civility. Yeah. Basics. It's like, we're not looking for like the special nuanced unicorn stuff. It's like basic civility. And it's like one of the kindest things you can do to the person in the drive through is not anticipate all their needs, recognize them as someone that might have needs. Yeah. It's like, if you just do that, yeah. you know, you don't have to guess what they are. You're not expected to know what they are, yeah. but it's like, it would be great if you were expected to know that they are a person that has them. Yeah. It's like, if you just start there, maybe that's enough to get us going. Right. Well, it's, and it's such an interesting thing. Like it's come down to a place with me. I sincerely, like, I try not to be a hyper judgmental person, but I'm going to lay it all out here. This is one way that I hyper judge people. Mm. Um, I judge people harshly based upon the way they treat waitstaff in restaurants. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I make decisions about who I want to trust and have deep, meaningful relationships with based on how I watch them treat yeah. waitstaff. Right. Um, because one of the things I, I can sort of say is that I think the people I know who are closest to me are also the people who are some of the kindest people to waitstaff, right? And it... And of course, like if they're going to be that kind to strangers, it will pay dividends in close relationships. Yeah. But right. people who can't be bothered to recognize the humanity of the person bringing their food, to me, that screams danger. Yeah, it's like totally. It's like if because like why is the person in, in the restaurant? Why are you in the drive-through anyway? It's like well, you have needs, right? Yes. This one, like you're hungry. <laughs> yeah. The, the people who are working there have needs too that probably brought you together into that situation that both of you are participating in. Right. Treat each other with a little civility and respect. Yeah. You know. And it doesn't, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just, and I, and maybe that's why the two matter and the purpose come up for me. Right. Is that like, it's not just that I matter. It's that I want us to realize that every human being matters. Um, yeah, there it is. There it is. Awesome. What's the book? The book, Nonviolent Communication, a Language of Life. 
by Marshall Rosenberg. PhD. PhD. What are the cards? The Grok Your World cards. Cool. We could put links to both of these in the show notes. The notes of show. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Perfect. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, everybody. Have a great uh, day. You too. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.